Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Neon, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history behind it. I'm Jem Daduchu, and I'm going to be honest with you. Recently, I've been busy. What have I been doing, I hear you ask? Well, I've been fishing. I've been picking Indian tobacco. I've been hunting deer in rolling hills selling their pelts in a little town called Valentine. And occasionally, I've also been robbing the odd train. That's right, I have been playing Red Dead Redemption 2. Which means, of course we're going to be talking about cowboys. How can I not talk about cowboys? But also, I'm going to talk a little bit like the Islamic Caliphate and myth-building. So, before we get rolling, it's always worth saying, you can keep talking to us. We are real people, honestly. So you can find Neon Podcast as that on Twitter, and indeed on Facebook as well. You can speak to me, I'm Jem Daduchu on Twitter. And if you want to help spread the Neon Revolution, you can always go to patreon.com forward slash Neon Podcast, and you can help support us. Red Dead Redemption 2. Really strange name for a game. Let's be honest, at least there was a Red Dead Redemption. But I want to go further back than that. Because there was a game before that called Red Dead Revolver. And it wasn't very good. (laughs) It wasn't anything like the later movie. The later games, I should say. What it was, was basically a cowboy shoot-em-up. And it was poorly designed and nobody really did it but then rockstar games saw the potential there and used their special source of turning an idea into an open world rockstar games were the people who created grand theft auto 
And they've done other games as well, such as Bully. And uh, they actually do an exceptionally good simulator of table tennis. Rockstar Table Tennis is a very, very good game. So it's not all about violence, necessarily. And Grand Theft Auto, if you like, is the poster boy of all these bits of hysteria and panic about violent video games. And it is worth pausing. They're, the Grand Theft Auto games are very good games, but they are rated 18 for a reason. It's a little bit like complaining that Alien is too scary and gory. Well, it's an 18 rated horror movie, what were you expecting? However, for most of the people who have played Grand Theft Auto, they understand that it's an exceptionally well put together game. Rockstar releases games when they're ready and not against a certain schedule. Take, for example, Call of Duty. The new Call of Duty comes every October, a bit like the changing of the seasons. Assassin's Creed got into trouble with that by releasing way too many Assassin's Creeds, and in the end they had to, to pause to reboot, if you like, or soft reboot, the whole genre and video game series. Rockstar, by comparison, well, it's been five years since Grand Theft Auto V, and this has been their next game, Red Dead Redemption 2. So Red Dead Redemption 2 has come out in 2018. When did Red Dead Redemption come out? 2010. This is a game that's been eight years in the making, and they started it pretty much as soon as Red Dead Redemption came out. So this is a company that genuinely finds or searches for quality and pretty much every other open-world game. What do, what do I mean by that? It means it's a really large map. You're not being pushed down a certain corridor. There isn't a certain story mission you have to do at a given point. You can go and find those story missions. But actually, it's all about the joys of exploration. I mentioned in one of the earliest Neons, Kingdom Come Deliverance. That's another open-world game, and in that I mentioned Skyrim. So there are loads and loads. And indeed, the whole open-world genre was not created by Rockstar, but you could say was perfected by Rockstar. And every time they release a new one, everybody else rushes to catch up. There are very few open world games that can stand shoulder to shoulder with them. I would argue probably something like Witcher 3 could, and uh, you know perhaps Horizon Zero Dawn, but they are few and far between. The other criticism that you get from Grand Theft Auto, for example, is this stuff about violence and sort of uh, things you can do with people and the general antisocial behavior. But the thing that doesn't, uh, you miss the point. There are very few missions where you have to do something particularly brutal and nasty. You might do something like a bank robbery, but you have to build up all the, the, the stuff behind that. It is not wanton violence. It's actually a crime thriller in its own self. Would you say that heat is responsible for bank robberies? No. And it's that sort of thing. The, all of the Rockstar games are clearly influenced by movies. Most overtly, there's a cult movie from the very late 1970s called Warriors, which got turned into a sequel as a video game by Rockstar called Warriors. Um, funnily enough, this is about gangs with themes like the clowns and stuff. It was set in New York, but where New York obviously has gangs, but they don't tend to have like themed outfits. They might be a color, but it's not like, oh, we're going to dress up like French mimes. That's an exaggeration, but you get my point. So you get something like Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which basically pours together all of the 1980s into one video game. 
It very much riffs on things like Scarface or Miami Vice, the, the original. And uh, then you get something like Grand Theft Auto V, where the bank jobs are, at least in the, the original before you get to the expansions, th you know, similar to things like Heat. And then you get the original Red Dead Redemption. That was very much riffing on pretty much all the classic good westerns. Maybe not the, the cliché John Wayne ones, but certainly the spaghetti westerns. And absolutely something like Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch. So yes, all the, the great gritty western epics were inspiration behind Red Dead Redemption. And Red Dead Redemption was a step in a different direction for Rockstar. Because although they've always had a story and larger-than-life characters, people do criticise about how misogynistic the video games are. The women don't come across well, and I would absolutely agree with that. But of course, if you've played the games, the response back to that is, the men are horrible too. Now, I would agree that if you like, it's more jarring. The women act more cartoonishly than the guys, but... And the guys almost have a point of reference in things like action movies or crime picks, whereas the women just seem to be horrible characters. But with the original Red Dead, you get the story of John Marston. This is a man who used to be an outlaw, who's now being picked up by the government, and the era is the 1910s. So we are now past the cowboy prime. Law has come everywhere. And Marston is... Basically, he's been told he has to try and hunt down his old gang, and that way he can get his family back. And with all these video games, this is something that people don't understand if you, if you don't play video games. If you watch a movie, you may love that character, but you only spend maybe two hours with that character. If you love a TV series, even if it's a fairly long-running one, like something like Breaking Bad, you're with that character for maybe 50 hours. And that's a long time, and you can feel a lot for Walter. But with something like Red Dead, I was playing John Marston for maybe 70, 80, 90 hours. I did everything in Red Dead, for the record. I failed to get every achievement because there were a couple of online achievements. There was a notoriously difficult one where you had to win three online matches in a row. Just not going to happen. I just did not have the skill. I was really happy on the rare occasion I came first in an online game. You know, to get three in a row, sadly wasn't going to happen. But I found every legendary animal. I found every type of treasure map and managed to find all the treasures. I spent forever in the wilderness of the original Red Dead. And that's what I'm doing at the moment in Red Dead 2. I have I'm nowhere near completing the story. I just keep getting distracted by all the other things you can do. I've mentioned fishing, for heaven's sakes. Yes, I've been standing there digitally fishing, trying to get a good-sized sea bass. Um, anyway, but we're going back to the original Red Dead. John Marston, who has this gravelly voice, he is just that classic outlaw who wants to do good. And, and there is nothing more noble than trying to sort of bring the family back together. And here comes a spoiler for the original Red Dead. You've had eight years to play it, though. So at the towards the end of the game, you finally catch up with this guy called Dutch. You, you kill him. You have completed your mission. And the game keeps going. And you get a little bit anxious. Because why? 
This is clearly the big highlight. I've been hunting down all the members of, of the gang and then finally finding Dutch and sort of doing this epic battle with him. He was the leader of the gang. He was like a father figure to you, to John Marston. And now he's dead. Why am I still playing this game? No, don't get me wrong, I was enjoying it. But then you find out your family is at the, at the farm. And there's this wonderful... Uh, there's this wonderful mission in the, the, the original. So you go out with your son and you're going to herd the cows. You're going to show your son how to be a farmer, as it were. And you do that. And in the background, in the distance, a bunch of bandits attack a train. And you have the option to either let the cows loose, forget about them, and get involved in the shooty-shooty stuff, or just herd the cows. Guess which one I picked? Turns out I picked what almost everybody picked, which was heard the cows. John has gone on his complete mission and now it was a chance to be back with the family. But why? Why am I still playing this game? And then eventually after a few missions with the family there are some riders on the horizon and basically those government men who'd been who basically kidnapped your, your wife and kid early on and told you you've got to go on this mission are now coming for you. They are here to close the loop. And so you chase away your family, wanting them to survive, and you have to do this shootout with them. And the final scene of John Marston, you have something called Dead Eye, which is an ability to slow down time and carefully target people. It's a you know uh, it's a little mechanism that you can use in video games, and it, and it looks really cool. It's like shootout time. And the thing is, though, even with the the best gun in the game, which by then I'd had, I had there are more of them than you have bullets. So you can take down 8, 10, 12 of those guys with your dead eye, but everybody else opens up with you. And then there's this cutscene of John Marston standing there, bleeding from the wounds, collapsing, and, you know, it that hit hard. Uh, it, you know, hit hard just as hard as, you know, the end of sort of a classic movie where you think, oh man, why couldn't they have lived? But you put so much into John that, uh, yeah, that that hurt. So, Red Dead Redemption 2, weirdly, of all the directions they could have taken, they actually go back in time, 10, 12 years, where you are in that same gang. But this time you play a guy called Arthur Morgan. What does Arthur look like? Well, he's a sort of big, tough guy, but you can actually change his appearance a little bit. You can give him mutton chops or a beard, or he could be clean-shaven, and there are endless amounts of hats. Hats seem to be, if you if you go on the internet, hats seem to be a big thing about Red Dead Redemption 2, because you can have it shot off in the middle of a gunfight, and you do, you feel naked without it. You, you hunt around for your hat, but you can also swap hats with other people. I've seen some very jaunty photos online of people wearing sort of waistcoats with big whiskers and a big top hat, and like, that's not my Arthur, but uh, yeah, you know, people have fun with the whole outfits and, and hats and things like that. So, What's interesting is on one of the missions, you actually go to save John Marston. He's a young man in this occasion, and he does have a wife and a very, very young son. And of course, you you know what's going to happen here. The gang is led by Dutch, and you know that in sort of 10, 12 years, he's going to be hunted down by John Marston. So there are all these wonderful echoes and riffs, and it adds an extra layer of gravitas to it. But it's the attention to detail of this game that so many people have commented on. For example, occasionally your horse does poos. You know, you're just walking up to it and it does a poo, which is exactly what horses do. And your horse gets dirty and it'll start losing health if you don't brush it. And you need to feed it. And oh yeah, you need to feed yourself as well. Because these are things that you'd actually need to do. Now, and your guns degrade over time. 
All of these have been in other games, and all of these, if they're done wrong, get really annoying. I'm here to play a game, not keep feeding a horse. But it happens it happens infrequently enough that you don't mind doing it, and actually you get bonus points if you bond with the horse. Your horse gets faster, the horse increases its stamina, the horse doesn't spook so easily in gunfights. There's a reason why you want to bond with your horse, and all the horses have permadeath. What does that mean? It means if you run into a gunfight and your your horse is shot, you, that horse does not respawn. You start. You have to buy a new completely rubbish level one horse. So you get very protective of your horse. I've spent $150 on my race horse. I've named him uh, uh, Yildirim, which means uh, star in, in Turkish. I just, I just thought it'd be something a bit different. You can name your horse. And I am now talking unnecessarily fondly about a non-existent horse, okay? But in, if you like, in the first game, it was about the passing of an age. And in the second game, there's a little bit of that, but there's also about the, the coming of civilization to these areas. So I think I've talked a fair amount about the video game. Now let's take it to the history. I'm sure, don't worry, I will return back to some of the stuff in the, in the game, but uh, let's go to the world of cowboys. And I said at the top, Islamic Caliphate and also the making of myths. And those both have something to do with cowboys. Now, there are two major herding animals that we deal with as humans. They are sheep and they are cows. Interestingly, pigs you don't herd. Uh, pigs are one of the few animals that get sunburn like us. So they basically have to live in little huts. And they basically sit in pig pens or you know, wallow in, in mud and things like that. Uh, the mud is there actually to protect their, their skin. There you go. A little extra fat there from neon. <laughs> or am I in country fart? I don't know. Um, chickens, obviously, you don't herd. You just put them in a coop. Or, uh, you just let them run around the farmyard. So yeah, you need for the two large mammals that we have to worry about, there are sheep and there are cows. And interestingly, when it comes to sheep, we have a word for people who look after them. Shepherds. Sheep herders, okay? So in theory, we should be talking about cow herders. Um, and it gets even more complicated than that. Sheep tend to be smaller, so there's no reason why you can't just wander around with something like a dog. Sheep are very skittish creatures, so a dog is basically a wolf, and they are terrified of it, and therefore when the dog barks, they run in the opposite direction. So if you put the dog in the right place and sort of whistle to the dog, it can bark and roar, and it can actually herd the sheep into a pen. Cows are a lot bigger, and I've got to be honest, a lot dumber. I have had lots of first-hand experience with cows in my days as, archae as an archaeologist. You see, my archaeological tutor was a bit of a revolutionary. He made the very valid point that most archaeology happens in places where we either know there's something interesting underneath the ground or there's something interesting half sticking out of the ground and we're going to dig around that. His argument was about... Uh, if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Stone Age archaeology saying, look, if we look at the geology and think about where would be a good place to live, let's say 8,000 years ago, why don't we dig there and see what we can find? And he almost always found something. Indeed, in Bossington Farm in Wiltshire, where I spent two summers digging, we found one of the richest deposits of flint work, as in flint napping and flint making of tools, in the whole of Europe. And yet it is nothing from above ground. He'd done his homework and worked it out. So that was really impressive, and I have to I'll share it with you now. The best find I ever found in archaeology was a Mesolithic hand axe. This is an 8,000-year-old hand axe that was still sharp, and I was the first human being to hold it since the person who had dropped it. To give you an idea, that was about the same time as when the Channel flooded and separated Britain from mainland Europe. That's how old it is. And that really gives you pause for thought when you find something like that in a hole. So, why am I mentioning all this? Because we were doing all this in a field of cows. Cows are remarkably stupid creatures. They really are. They're sort of big and doltish and slow. And, you know, what they would do is we put up little electric fences around where we were digging. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, and I had a lot of fun with this with a, a friend, is whenever you say electric fence because of movies and TV, you tend to think of high-security military bases where, yes... The voltages there are dangerous. You can kill somebody with a, a certain electric fences. That is not an agricultural electric fence. Those are designed to send mild little shocks to stop sheep and cows from treading where they shouldn't be treading. It's a, you know, a few volts, a few pulses. And actually, there's a hilarious archaeological joke where basically you hold on to the electric fence and then go and touch somebody and the current passes straight through you and zaps the other person. Ha ha, ha ha ha. <laughs> However, they're so mild and cows are so big, there were a number of times we would walk in and find a cow standing in the middle of our archaeological site. Or indeed, the one that would really annoy me. I mean, it was almost taking it personally, is the cow had gone, but they had left literally a cow pat 
splatted exactly where you're going to be sitting with a trowel for the next six hours. So you'd obviously have to get a shovel and scrape that away. Didn't mean the smell was scraped away. Yes, horrible, horrible stuff. Uh, and the cows, uh, one cow, I always remember for some reason, wanted to eat the rubberized edging around a windscreen of the van that we had. Why, cow? It doesn't look anything like leaves or grass. Why are you doing that? That's not going to help your digestive system, and it certainly isn't going to help the Ford Transit car either. So my point is, cows need to be, if you like, manhandled a little bit more than sheep. And so... The whole idea of using mounted shepherds comes from Spain, and it actually starts in the era when Spain was part of a very large Islamic empire called the Caliphate. The Caliphate stretched basically from Pakistan all the way to Spain. So yes, so it's actually medieval Muslims on horseback who were the first cowboys Yeehaw, indeed. And when the Spanish, they were obviously the first Westerners over into the Americas, they took that same idea of, of cattle herding. The cowboys in question were called vaqueros, so not cowboys. And in the, it, this sounds weird, but in the Americas, the first cowboys in inverted commas were Spaniards in the 1500s in Central America. Not very yeehaw American at all. Let's face it, cows were not invented in America, and nor were people on horseback. But it's this combination of the two that's become synonymous with America. But even at the time of somebody like George Washington, there wasn't there weren't cowboys in America. The cowboys were linked to the increasing agricultural land and the, the, the spread west of America, which happened very much in the 1800s and really got into its uh, stride around about the time of the American Civil War and just beyond. The fact of the matter is this. People tend to think of the cowboy era as being a really long period of time. But the reality was, particularly when you were pushing cows uh, across the, sort of the center of modern-day America, that was years, not decades. Quite frankly, nobody really ever got to be an old cowboy. Now, it was, you know, the term cowboy in America has got mishmashed with everything else. And this is where I talk about myth-making, because the image of the cowboy is is mythological, it's legendary in America. It is a historical era, but what you see as a cowboy is not really what existed at any given point. But that's not on America, because every culture has that thing. In Japan, it would be the samurai. And the reality is what you think of a samurai is probably not what you would have seen uh, let's say, a huge battle like Sekigahara in 1600, which had thousands, literally thousands of samurai running around all over a battlefield in central Japan. You see, the thing is, samurai over the centuries evolved and changed in terms of rules, and even just some of the, sort of the concepts of Bushido and this honor, it was there, but it was sort of refined after the samurai era, so that it became something that actually a Samurai would recognize, but would also recognize you've kind of got it wrong. In Western Europe, the equivalent would be the knight in shining armor. Now, 
If you think of one of the greatest battles that had lots of knights in shining armor, that might be the Battle of Agincourt. The reality is the amount of times that knights on ca uh, knights in full plate armor clashed with other knights in full plate armor on horseback was very, very, very rare. And actually, what the English proved is you could have a peasant with a longbow that could take down that knight in that hugely expensive armor on the back of that hugely expensive warhorse. That was an incredibly efficient way of killing those very rich, well-trained knights from a quarter of a mile away. But that's the thing. We have these images of these warriors, of these sort of noble men from back in the day. And it's exactly the same with the cowboy. And it gets confused. You get someone like Wyatt Earp and the gunfight at the OK Corral. Wyatt Earp wasn't ever really a cowboy. He'd actually, in his youth, been a bit of an outlaw. And then, like a lot of them, or a lot of these tough men, or violent men, they basically figured the best thing to do is, well, if you can't beat him, join him, and had become a sheriff. The shootout at the OK Corral, one of the most famous moments in Western uh, American mythology or history or legend, call it what you will, lasted approximately 11 seconds, and some of the men that Wyatt Earp and his, you know, Doc Holliday and all the, you know, all his pals, some of the guys they're up against weren't even armed. It sounds more like a massacre by some over-heavy-handed police than some sort of noble fight between outlaws and, and cops. But that's not the way it's being remembered, and that's okay. You get someone like Buffalo Bill. He was one of the first people to mythologize the Wild West. He had the, he had the Wild West show, which toured all around the world. And, you know, he was the one of the people who created the concept of, like, the, the noble native savage. That's his words, not mine, by the way. And, you know, he would meet people like the Kaiser, like Queen Victoria. And on the point of Queen Victoria, it's worth saying, you know, as a child, you find it very hard to overlap different countries, cultures, and histories. You tend to think they all happened at different times. Or something like the ancient Egyptians might have happened the same time as the Vikings. No, not even close, okay? But when you look at the Wild West, because we've all seen so many movies and TV shows about the Wild West, we kind of assume that that was one of the coolest places on planet Earth to be. Well, it was glamorous, but was it necessarily... Uh, an incredibly important part of the world? The answer was no. Because all this stuff was happening, things like the 1870s and 1880s, and if you wanted to talk about who was the world power then, the answer was Victorian England, by a country mile. Places like Wyoming in the 1870s and 1880s were just basically cows, trees, and Native Americans. There wasn't a lot else going on there. It wasn't a hub of culture or power, or resource, or anything like that. And indeed, there are several things that sort of ended the cowboy era, and they were all really boring. None of them involved sort of wars, or, I don't know, tanks, or things like that. Partly, well, we'd actually herded all the cows to where they needed to go. And secondly, there was the invention of barbed wire. Because in someone like Britain, if you go to somewhere like Cumbria or maybe, you know, up into Yorkshire, you'll see all these wonderful dry stone walls. They are beautiful and they work really well in a relatively small space like England. It doesn't work well when you consider the entirety of the United Kingdom can fit into the state of Utah, okay? Some of these landowners held more land than 
you know, half of a country of, in Europe. They, 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 their territories were massive and therefore they couldn't afford stone walls. It was dry stone walls, might have been relatively cheap to build in Britain or Europe, but were impossible to build in somewhere like Wyoming or Utah. So, so something like barbed wire was, uh, you get phrases like, uh, as light as air and just as cheap. You know, you could get huge spools of barbed wire and a few posts and you could suddenly peg out massive acreage for the cows to graze. And now you don't need cowboys to be taking people from one place to another. You just need farmhands, which might still be considered cowboys, uh, to you know, move these people around, but they weren't, or move these cows around, I should say, but they, you know, in the strictest sense of the word, they weren't like the cowboys of the old. You also get things like the Pony Express, which, you know, you're not actually a cowboy, you're just a, well, I say just, but you're a messenger, but the Pony Express was also some, something cool from the old west, and yet it was only ran for a matter of years because it was made redundant by the railways, and then later on, telegraph. You don't need somebody to keep riding hard on a horse when you can beat them by days with something as simple as an electric wire. So the reality is that when Red Dead Redemption and number two start talking about progress and evolution, and certainly in the second one, when you're talking to Dutch, the, the leader, he's all about how we need to push get back against civilization man is not meant to be tamed we need to be wild like the frontier there is a certain yearning for that there are lots of people who sort of talk about well there's obviously the good old days but what we've got with red dead redemption 2 is easily the most subtle rockstar game ever there is nuance to these characters the girls aren't all sort of loudmouth working girls, and the guys aren't just all homicidal maniacs. There's one character who is half black, half Native American, and basically makes comments occasionally about, oh, they treat me different when we're in the South, and, and you don't notice that, and, and his response is, well, you wouldn't. But obviously, if you're in something like the 1890s, and, you know, you were half Native American, and all the white Americans would just call you an Indian, which is a racist term, or, you know, they would see you as a black man, in which case, well, it was still within memory of the American Civil War, and, you know, there's it, it, just, that particular character is full of sadness, um, you know, the, the, and gravitas, and it makes you think, which isn't something you would normally say about something like a rock star game, okay? So, the game itself is excellent. The game itself is pretty good at reminding you about things that happened in the Wild West. And it does point out how wild the West was. But a little bit like Grand Theft Auto and a little bit like reality, I find it interesting that every time you carry out a crime, you might well have a witness, at which point you then can get chased by a posse. And... <laughs> Full disclosure, let's, let's go away from history for a moment, go back into pure game. On the PlayStation, it's slightly annoying. When you first start the game, there are lots of buttons to remember, and sometimes the buttons are context uh, important. In other words, that button does different things depending on whether you're on a horse or walking around or next to uh, you know, a plant that you want to pluck and, and, and sort of put in your satchel. And anyway, when you go into town and you want to talk to somebody, the left trigger locks onto that person, then you can talk to them. The right trigger 
pulls out your gun and fires. And I walked in to a hotel in a little town called Valentine. I wanted to talk to the, the owner. I figured, you know, maybe I could get a little mission out of him or something. But I pulled the wrong trigger, shot him in the chest, and of course, all hell broke loose. Everybody started to chase me. And obviously, I can't just stand there and go, I, sorry, computer, I pushed the wrong button. And yeah, I got hunted down and I got shot. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not... I can't say it's an absolutely perfect game. I've heard a few people say, and I think this is a valid point, that the combat system, the sort of shooting and cover system, is very good, but it is identical to the original one, and you'd hope that something might have perhaps evolved over the last eight years. And I kind of take that point. But on the other hand, with all the different systems that you've got to remember, like hunting animals. In the old one, it was just a case of, you know, run up to an animal, shoot it, skin it, and now I've got a pelt. Whereas nowadays, you have to be very careful. Certain weapons are suitable on certain animals, and a headshot will mean that you're probably more likely to get a, a perfect pelt, which will get more money, than if you sort of, well, I mean, on one occasion, I accidentally ran over a rabbit with my horse, and I saw, you know, you hear the squeak, and then you see the little symbol of, like, a dead animal on the screen, you think, oh, goody, you know, that was easy, a few dollars there, but funnily enough, if a horse tramples a rabbit, you're not going to be able to pull off a nice pelt, it was a poor pelt, okay, because let's face it, that particular rabbit got smooshed by my horse, Yildirim, okay. <laughs> But the interesting thing is, a sign of a good game is I'm talking to you about this stuff as if it actually happened. What was I actually doing? I was staring at a screen and pushing buttons on a little plastic controller. But a truly good game immerses you in it. And a little bit like the Assassin's Creed games, something like Red Dead Redemption, I think, is the closest you can do, you can get to, to a history simulator. No, it's not perfect. And something like... Kingdom Come Deliverance is actually more historically accurate than something like this. But all these games at least give you a taste. And going back to trying to engage with young people about history, trying to sort of browbeat them into watching a, you know, a, a TV show on, on, uh, on TV, like a documentary series, can be very, very hard. And certainly trying to get them to read a history book can be downright impossible. But getting them to play a video game where they inadvertently get a little bit of real history leaked into their eyeballs, I think that's a good thing. So I absolutely applaud Red Dead Redemption 2, and I say to you that if it's been a while since you played a video game, this is one where, quite frankly, it's a lot of game for the money. Yes, it may be a AAA rated game, it may be a game that sort of costs sort of 45, 50 pounds, dollars, uh, to play, but I'm going to say that you should absolutely give it a go if you're even vaguely interested in video games. Because once again, what, uh, what Rockstar Games has done is they basically created this near-perfect game, this fabulous open world. But in the meantime, of course, it is teaching you a little bit of history. So, this has been Neon's take on Red Dead Redemption 2. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.